It's episode 107 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Top, and I'm joined today by two guests. We have, from the Reporting as Eligible podcast, Paul Noonan. How's it going, Paul? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yep. Good to see you again. You've become like a semi-regular. Honestly, I think you've been on the podcast more than Steve over the past like six weeks. Uh, without question, that is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've um, I've almost done this podcast more than my own over the last six weeks. So, um, yes, indeed. Fortunately, you, you follow the Brewers, so it, it all works out. I do. I do. Um, occasional baseball prospectus writer still. So, yep. And you still are writing for uh, Shepherd Express on the Brewers as well, right? No, I do the Packers for the Shepherd Express. Um, I do not do the Brewers. I did one Brewer article for them while uh, while Kyle was out. So, oh, okay, I knew you had at least filled in at some point. Yeah. All right. And also joining us this week, we got a, a three man booth in person, which is a rarity for this podcast as well. We have Kurt Hogg, who works for the Journal Sentinel, covering high school sports and just kind of. Anything they need you to cover? Yeah, pretty much high school sports, and then occasionally I do things like rank every Aaron Rodgers touchdown, and then I <laughs> tell my bosses that I did that in my spare time, and they're like, well, let's turn it into a story. Fantastic. So, I missed that. Was uh, that a subscriber-only thing? It was for a day, and then they took the paywall off of it. Oh, I'll have to go back and find that then. It was great. So, so this is every recommend. every touchdown in Aaron Rodgers' career? Yeah, every, every regular season and postseason touchdown was ranked. So what was the lowest one? The lowest one was... Um, Oh, this is very obscure, but it was like a 2016 when they lost to the Titans, like by 40 or 30 or whatever. He had like a 20-yard screen pass to James Starks. And there was like no particular, <laughs> it had no value whatsoever. Yeah, it, was just, it was a pointless game. It was a, he did nothing on the touchdown throw, you know, just kind of <laughs> lobbed it out there. He just lobbed it out to a running back and the running back James did all Starks the work. And no, like... one in, no one in the way, so yeah. Oh, all right. Fantastic. Um, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Uh, email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at RDTop. Paul? I'm at Badger Noonan. And, and Kurt? I am at Kurt Hogue, but that's Kurt with a Y. Not, not my real name, but they won't give me my real Twitter handle. I'm old enough to remember when you were making that decision. Mm-hmm. And I remember laughing and being like, that is good. I enjoy that. It's the next vowel. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Though in that in that case, it's functioning as a vowel, it right? Is, it is functioning as a vowel. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. This has been your vocabulary moment on the <laughs> MK Tailgate podcast. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast network, you can visit patreon.com slash tailgate. Our ball and glove level patrons and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, which once JP gets back from the coast, or actually, no, he's heading back to the coast. Once he gets back to where he, he needs to be, we're going to be recording that and we'll uh, be putting that out this week. And now also, if you are a supporter, you get the reporting as eligible weekly Packers preview. Yes. And if you listen last week, you uh, learned a lot about how the Bears game was going to go and about how it would be surprising if the Packers scored a lot of points and how Aaron Rodgers was likely to take a lot of hits and how Mitch Trubisky is kind of bad. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is you're Nostradamus. Well, like. a few things wrong. I, I thought the Bears would actually use David Montgomery a lot more than they did. And I think pretty much everybody around the team and every Bears fan thought that too. Um, I don't know who... Um, I'm going to... Mike Davis, I think, is their starting running back. I don't know what they see in him, uh, who he has naked pictures of or what. But... Uh, um, he has naked pictures of Christian Yelich. <laughs> well, that is true. You are correct about that. Very factually accurate. Um, anyway, we'll do the Vikings this week, do a little wrap-up of what happened with the Bears and um, what we learned and did not learn about. And it's hard to tell anything from the offense when you face the Bear defense because they are still awesome. Right, and especially the first week of you know trying to break in a new offense and Rodgers didn't play in the preseason. Yeah, you can that. say that, but on the other side, like to, if you've seen any of the games today, Sunday, nobody else is having trouble breaking in new offenses or anything of the sort. Offense is crazy this week. So, like, the Ravens have an all-new offense, for the most part, with a quarterback who's bar- barely starting his second season, and they scored 56 points. So, All right. Um, and Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced top grenades. You know them for their great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. It's that time of year. Carbon 4's October Ale is in stores. Fermented at near lager temperatures, this beer attempts to catch magic in a glass. It has soft toffee notes wrapped up in a blanket of flavors of like fresh baked bread. 
It's then accented with a pleasant and subtle woodsy experience provided by a whiskey-soaked blend of French and American oak. Pick up a six-pack today or visit the brewery on Kidswood Boulevard on Madison's east side. As always, get 20% off merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKETailgate. Check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer brilliance. So this has been a pretty good week. I don't want to jinx anything yet. We're recording at the end of the uh, Brewers-Cubs game on Sunday. They are currently up 8-3, to three, right? It's looking good. It's 8-3. to three. But we don't want to take anything for granted, so we'll talk about that a little bit later and, and get more into that. But so far, it's been a pretty solid uh, week for the Brewers, but it did start off rough with one of the more confoundingly awful umpire performances that you'll see, the Ben May game on Monday against the Astros. Um, Garrett Cole was very good in that game, starting for the Astros. And then things got pretty shaky late with the strike zone. Uh, did you guys both get a chance to see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, yes. And if you didn't, I mean, if you logged on to Twitter at all for about 24 hours, <laughs> you probably saw it. Yeah, all you saw was, like, the plots. I think McAlvey had one that I think he put up a plot yeah. that just made its rounds everywhere, and everybody had comments. And it he was, was on that one really quick. Good yeah, and it was, it was really obvious. And, you know, there were a couple different at-bats. And what's funny is the two at-bats that showed up in that graphic, one in, I think it was the 6th or 7th, and then one in the 10th, in between there is sandwiched an at-bat where he hit a home run to tie the game. So, like, he's been quite good, and we're going to talk about him more as we get going. But um, I guess we – I don't know that we've talked about this among the three of us here. So is it time to go to RoboLumps? Is this, like, a moment for you where you're saying it, it needs to happen? Or what do you think, Kurt? I, I tend to lean yes. I mean – we all know that the automated strike zones are not perfect, um, but human strike zones, I guess, are also <laughs> not perfect. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's still a little holdup in anyone that's like, that's kind of weird. Like, a baseball has a home plate umpire, like a human making balls and strikes calls. So, um, it'd just be, a, it'd be something that you'd have to, you know, adapt to and, like, just get over almost like a mental block in a way. That's just weird having a robot called balls and strikes but um i haven't seen how it's been working in the atlantic league yeah and what you're talking about there is that in the atlantic league they're kind of in a semi-official partnership with mlb to like test out some rules test out weird stuff yeah, yeah. like the the stealing of first stealing first yeah just... like all those sorts of weird things which the players kind of rebelled against did you hear about that the players rebelled against the stealing of yeah. first thing. yeah and good like, for them because that is ridiculous yeah it, that one's silly but like they're trying different things and you know, I know Manfred put his, his foot in his mouth when he talked about that as like, oh, we're, that's why we're trying in the Atlantic League where it like doesn't count. It doesn't matter. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, screw you. Like these guys are, you know, professional baseball players trying to catch on with, you know, organized affiliated ball. And like it sure as hell matters to them. So you can kind of dismiss it. But um, I think, you know, as far as it, it being, I think it's coming. I think we're going to see some version of robo umps. Whether or not that is going to be uh, every single ball and strike being called from the get-go or some sort of a challenge system, I, we're going to see something in the relatively near future. But With what we know of um, just how players play the game now, it, as soon as it's ready to go, they should do it. Like Once they figured out how important catcher framing actually was, like you know when it first came up, it was like a 10-win difference to some extent between the best and the worst. Like. That's a lot of value on fooling umpires. Um, and I know it's condensed since then because people targeted it as a skill, but it's still a big thing. And I, I don't, it probably hasn't actually gotten worse. You know, we now have the ability to see things on Brooks Baseball and, you know, whatever, Fox Tracks, and whatever it is for any given broadcast. So it's obvious when they make mistakes now. It wasn't before. But it seems like it's egregious, especially with a few umpires. Um, you know, I, I actually didn't think Ben Mayo had much of a reputation for that, but, like, Angel Hernandez is obviously a terrible umpire, and you can see it every game he calls. There's a few others like that. C.B. Buckner. C.B. Buckner is terrible, Jordan too. Jordan Baker is sneaky bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was last night, wasn't he? On Saturday night yeah. for the Brewers, it was there were some really, really funny strikes. I actually uh, tweeted one out where you could see this line of, of balls that had all been called, and then blow it was a called strike. And the, the balls were all at the bottom of the zone, and they were called balls. And then, like, the way lower. down below it, you've got this called strike. And just like, yeah, that's that's not good. And he is 6'7", so, like, 
calling balls and strikes well on the bottom part of the plate is going to be, be guesswork, yeah. a little tricky for him. But, but yeah, you can't have that big a disparity if you yeah. can do something about it. And I think it is coming. Um, we should note, Harry Pavlidis has been very, very vocal over the years about the fact that the technology wasn't ready. Yep. I haven't heard his opinion lately on it, though. I actually I it, haven't either. I meant to ask him at the prospectus fence, and I totally forgot to do it. But I, the fact that they have it in the Atlantic League, it's got to be closer now than it was before by a significant amount. Because just um, I, I understood all the impediments before. It was hard to set up, hard to calibrate all the time, and it, it wasn't fast. Like It didn't render it right away. Um, in an accurate way. You see the one on TV, that one's not as accurate as what they would actually be using. Um, but, you know, these things change pretty quickly technology-wise. Things do get faster, easier to calibrate once you install them in the system. So I I think it's probably close to, to ready for prime time. And I think you're going to have some unintended consequences. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this this week, and I was kind of wondering, I think that, like, veteran pitchers, your, uh, your Cole Hamels, for instance, gets a lot of calls by basically being a veteran, having a reputation, and like whining for strikes when he wants them. And I'm kind of wondering, are we going to see? Ooh, that really looked like that hurt. That Speaking ball of umpires, umpires one knee. of them just got hurt kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, that looked that looked like the uh, the funny the bone in the knee. Yeah, yeah that looked bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of wonder if there's going to be a a thing where like veteran pitchers who've kind of relied on being able to get calls on the edges by being savvy and kind of knowing where to hit and how to work an umpire. Uh, if that's going to kind of take away that avenue for them. And if we're going to see pitching get even younger, which we've, we've seen over the past few years anyway, but if we see it skew even younger. Yeah. That seems like something that's very possible. Like if you just think about old Braves teams and like how Tom Glavin pitched every game and Maddox to some extent too, like getting outside calls was just part of, I feel like especially NL ball back then. Um, I mean, just how far we've come, like the strike zones for the leagues used to be completely different strike zones just because of where umpires stood. Um, but Well, and their equipment, right? Because yeah, the because umpires in the AL had the big the, chest protector. It was the chest protector versus the shield, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Just bizarre. But uh, they really, now that they understand so much, how it, like how much it impacts the game, also, it's a good thing to standardize. It's objective. Like you, you can just make this. I mean, in the rule book, it's you know knees to letters, whatever. But you could you can just declare the strike zone to be the computer strike zone. Here's what it looks like, and put it out there. Like it, it, it's not like there's this is not like pass interference. Stupid NFL. Um, but by the way, you can challenge pass interference calls now if you don't know that, which is ridiculous. But it, it's an objective call. It's it's in or out. So it's perfect. It's a perfect technology target um, to automate. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion of that in the off season, but you know, it's kind of been slowly moving towards. I would think they'd have to roll it out in the minor leagues first, right? Like, yeah, I'm, they would yeah, bring it much, to yeah, definitely. They would have to bring it to the minor leagues, and that would also give players some adjustment. Where you know, if you if you roll it out in the minor leagues for three four years, well, a lot of guys will have had experience with it in the minors by the time they get to the majors, and it, it just won't be as jarring. Like, yes, yeah. your 35 year old pitcher will, I'm sure, throw a fit about it, but like. You know, they, if you give it a little bit of lead time, you'll be I able also, to fix it. I think you'll see catchers snap back um, offensively pretty quickly if that change occurs, too. Um, just guys get scouted right now for framing ability as a major part of their game and often at the expense of, of hitting ability. And well, yeah, and if you can't frame, if you're a bad, actively you're bad framer, yeah. you're done. Yep. I mean, they just, you don't have a career at that point. So. Yeah, so I think you'll see the catching um, offense pick up pretty quickly when that happens, too. It, you don't have to be good back there anymore if the computer knows exactly where the ball is. You just have to throw hard and make sure it doesn't get by you. Yeah, so anyway, the Brewers then got off to a uh, a nice, uh, I guess, comeback win in the uh, game against the Astros. They ended up winning 4-2. to two. Uh, Eric Thames hit a three-run shot. Um, just I don't think we've discussed it in this group before. So uh, Eric Thames, a no-doubt option pickup for next year. It's going to cost $6.5 million to bring him back because it's actually seven and a half total but they have a million dollar buyout so it's six and a half in addition absolutely no doubt in my mind i agree with that yeah 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 um, i think i think i'm there too it's it's always a little bit tricky to have a platoon at first base you have to have somebody around who's going to be able to handle the other side of that platoon but given that they go into the offseason knowing that that's a thing they need to target i would imagine they can do that yeah he's the strong side of the platoon also which helps um the right. walk rate is very sticky uh, that's that's probably not going to go down uh, too much, even if he, his bat suffers a little bit. And, I mean, they've got so many other positions, I'm sure we'll get to this later, that they're going to need to fill. 
um, that if you've got a six million dollar <laughs> chance to get a good hitting first baseman, yeah, you're probably going to keep that. Yeah, I would imagine so. So anyway, uh, so moving on to Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday night's game, the ten to five loss to the Cubs. I was at this game. I was actually at all three of these games so far that we've talked about. Uh, rough one, and actually a you know for as good a week as he had, Christian Yelich really was a, a huge part of the Brewers losing this game. The Brewers were uh, tied 4-4, four to four, and there was one out, and the bases were loaded, and the Cubs hit a ball down into uh, right field, and Yelich missed that the runner at second had taken off, and it would have been a fairly easy double up had he thrown there. Instead, he threw home, did not get the runner, and then a couple batters later, Kyle Schwarber hits the grand slam, to effectively end the game, make it a 9-4 game. Um, how big a deal is something like that when somebody you know makes a mistake on, on which base they're throwing to and misses a, a play that's critical? I mean, does it does it register for you because it's Christian Yelich and he's so good at everything else? Does it does it really rankle you, or do you just kind of go, well, that's part of the price you pay? So on the one hand, no. Just I'm sure he thought what you normally think in that situation, which is that nobody's going to necessarily leave early and get caught off and you're just trying to cut cut down the guy at home um however hit the cutoff man <laughs> like just do it it's a good idea pretty much all the time it, it like kids out there always hit the cutoff man you can't throw home and major leaguers it's faster like you get that extra speed burst from the cutoff man to home anyway like unless you are um uh, vlad guerrero out there or somebody else with a ridiculous outfield arm like which is not yelich his arm is good but not great um you should like that's just bad fundamental baseball and and the cutoff man exists both because it's quicker and to catch guys like this when this happens to to make decisions about you know doubling guys off or catching guys off base and yeah it would have helped so it gives you that option and somebody else then in that time can intervene and be screaming at the cutoff man hey and all the second base all the infielders were screaming second base he was just far away and couldn't yeah, hear Pike, it. and you know cubs it was a fly ball hit by the cubs so you know their fans in the stadium <laughs> yeah it was gone he, he, there was no way he could hear <laughs> Orlando Arcia screaming to throw it to two. <laughs> uh, all right, that's a good one. Um, so moving on to Friday night, uh, the Brewers had a very workmanlike seven to one win. Christian Yelich had a three run shot off of a left handed pitcher, Cole Hamels. I mean, honestly, they could have they could have taken Hamels for like fifteen runs in that game. He was just absolute garbage. He genuflected Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> that was the word, right? <laughs> that was genuflected. He genuflected. Yeah. Yes, that was the word. Um, and uh, Brett Suter came in, and he pitched two perfect innings. He has been really good. He did give up a home run to Jordan Alvarez yep. in his first outing, but, like, you know, hey, that's going to happen. He really just looked like vintage Suter um, and a little better. Like, that happens to him sometimes, but he's been dominant and hit corners and looks great, so good to have him back. And he works fast. Yeah, he does. Which is always nice to have. Breath of fresh air. Everybody yeah. should work fast. Yeah. Uh, and... He also pitched in the Sunday game, didn't give up any runs. I I was not watching at that point, so I didn't see that part of it, but he didn't give up any runs, so he must not have been too bad. He was good. He looked this, he looked pretty much the same. He's just plowing through multi-inning relief appearances and, and throwing strikes. So, Yeah, and we actually had a question about this from Brett Maxwell, asked on Twitter. Uh, does Jimmy or Suter get a start this year, maybe as an opener, or what do you think of that? All right, Kurt? I'm trying to think through the rotation right now and if there would be a spot for an opener because no one's particularly pitching terribly right now where they would they would skip their start but i mean they're both i mean brent Suter's clearly being used in some some multi-inning spots when he's been used in leverage basically since the moment he came back they were they felt comfortable putting him into the game um in times that matter he's been you know for the most part delivering like you're gonna give up a solo shot to you or don alvarez that'll happen but Yeah, I think the answer is probably not during just regular play because the Brewer starters are weird, and unless one of them goes completely in the tank, there's not going to be a reason to replace him. Although that could happen, but if you get into that like um, th- that must-win bullpen game, just either at the end of the season when you have to win one, or a playoff game, or a wild card game, he makes a lot of sense as the opener in that situation if he keeps pitching like this. Um, as a guy, you know, they don't want guys to get through necessarily, you know, six or seven. Anyway, it's not never their plan. If he's dominant for three or four. He, he slots right into doing that kind of thing. Well, and using him the way they do, though, does kind of give them the advantage that they can pick and choose the spot, right? Yeah. They can make sure they're using him in a game that matters as opposed to, you know, I don't want to say wasting him, but wasting him in a game where it's, 
you know, a, a big win either direction. Like, you know, holding him back a little bit allows for some flexibility that way so that they can get him in when they want him in. But, um, all right. So moving on to Saturday's game, which was really one of the better games of the season. We've had a couple of these against the Cubs over the past few weeks, some big wins. Um, you have the the 3-2 walk-off, and I think, we should we call this the Yelich game? Like, this is, there have been a lot of Yelich games. Yeah, there's a lot of Yelich games. I mean, there's been a lot of Yelich games. Yelich game 15. But I want to focus on something that Craig Council said after the game, which was he thought this was his best game as a Brewer. Which, considering, you know, he's seen him hit for the cycle twice, and has seen him, does he have a three-home run game somewhere he in does. there? Against he, the Cardinals early this year. Yeah. That's right, he does. Okay, so, I mean, Craig Council has seen Christian Yelich have a ball game or two in his career, but he singled this one out. What about this game was super impressive to you? Because it was. He was two for two with a double, uh, the the walk-off double, which, you know, honestly would have been a triple. So he just, you know, didn't get that far. A couple walks, three stolen bases. What about this game was really impressive to you, Kurt? The fact that... It was a particularly big game, um, which is why I'd probably say maybe that Tigers game in the second to last game of 2018 was the Yelich game in my mind when he hit those two homers. <laughs> but um, but it is a big game, and every time he he comes up, it's it's a big spot, and and he came through that. I mean, they the it seemed like the Cubs were going to kind of pitch around him in that that ninth inning. Um, and they got two borderline calls, and that almost <laughs> that pretty much came back to hurt them. It did. I, I think if those are called balls, they're just they're just going to throw two in the dirt or whatever. You know, just put them on. It would be at that point going from like an unintentional intentional yep. walk to just being like a walk, and you know, maybe even mm-hmm. Madden just says take your base. <laughs> yep. Totally. And instead, they they end up Kinsler ends up nibbling a little bit and just catches a little too much of the outside corner, and that's all Christian Yelts needs. Also, three steals is three steals. What two walks? Three walks. Yeah, he had two walks yeah. and and the the three steals, which it really kind of showed his whole range of abilities. And you know, that ball that he hit down the right field line, you know, that could have been out. Like that, it was a ball that you know, so just a, a millimeter different on the bat, and that ball's going out, and yep. it's you know not even an issue. So we kind of saw the whole thing that Christian Yelich brings, and he is a phenomenal base runner an absolutely phenomenal base runner. And I think it sometimes gets lost and it's a good time to highlight it after this three steal game. Uh, MLB network did a package last year where they showed him like uh, cutting corners on, in terms of taking uh, the turn from second to home on a single. And he hits it in stride every time. And there's just no wasted movement and he's fast to begin with, but just it's perfect. And it just looks so elegant because he's, you know, this big, tall, lanky dude making that turn, and it just it looks aesthetically very pleasing. Yeah, he's he's really good at everything, and that that was a good game to highlight it. it like they're all, they're kind of all must wins at this point to some extent, just because of where the Brewers are. But given it was the Cubs who are in front of them, like the one going on right now and that one, really kind of were must wins. If the Cubs get any more distance on them, the Diamondbacks do too. They're they're going to be done pretty quickly, and. He kind of single-handedly saved him. So, um, which is you know what you count on the MVP to do. Actually, I think he caught. I think he caught up for the war lead after that game too, just because it was such an enormous Fangraphs, game. Fangraphs believe, has yeah. him at seven point two now. I think he's tied um, with Dunger. So, um, it, it, I mean that you need that guy to play like that in that situation, and he keeps doing it. Like he keeps being awesome all the time, and especially when the season's on the line. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that last night was a must-win, and also to their or last night being. Saturday night yeah. and then Sunday's game as well because I think I mean otherwise it could have been a lot like assuming the Brewers hold on here they're up eight three in the eighth um, it could have been a lot like in 2017 when Shaw hits the walk off homer against the Cubs to get what with two games back three yep. games back and then the next day they just like, get shut out by Quintana and and it, it all goes to waste yeah, yeah. Um, question for you guys this is from uh, Jay Google on Twitter. Can Yelich repeat as MVP? Um, yes, but I do think he'll have to keep going on a tear. Um, I think he's he's probably the definitely one of the only two contenders, but the underdog in it. Even though he's tied in in Fangraphs War, um, the if the Brewers don't make at least the wild card game, I think he's going to get the well, you weren't on a winning team problem. Um, but uh, if 
Like, if he plays like he did last year about this time, he'll, he'll win it because he's tied right now, and that'll be enough to put him over the top. Yeah, he's going to need a, a substantial war lead over uh, Bellinger for those voters that do look at that as their primary Yep, their primary thing. Because, I mean, I, I could see in some instances where some voters don't actually vote Yelch second. They put Rendon or maybe maybe Acuna or, or somebody. I think um, Acuna is going to get some love. It depends yeah. on how he closes, yeah. too. Meanwhile, Bellinger, the Braves have been hot. They have, yeah. And Bellinger is not going to go below second in nope. any. I don't, yeah. Definitely not. No, and that's that is going to be the thing there. And I think Bellinger has that advantage of he didn't just win it last year. And the, of all the biases that MVP voters seem to have, it's the giving it to the same guy over and over. They get bored and they like want <laughs> to do something different and they want a new story to tell. Basically, you know, they want something new to write about, and so they they seem to to change that up even when it's pretty obvious who the best player is. And you know, Mike I mean, Trout, the Mike Trout problem in a nutshell, right? Like, right. Yeah, Mike Trout would have seven MVPs, eight MVPs by now. Whatever, however many years he's been up, he <laughs> he's would gonna have, He's going to win this year, right? Like, there's there's no way they give it to. He has to. to DJ LeMahieu, like ten, <laughs> ten, ten more. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, that's so ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So, I I would say it's it's a uh, yeah it's a long shot that he would win it because he's going to have to be great, and the Brewers are going to have to make the playoffs. I would imagine for him to get that kind of consideration. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on to other issues, uh, Tyron Taylor was called up, and there was a whole thing about uh, he had just had an interview. Did you guys hear about this? It was talked about kind of extensively. Yeah, because yeah. he about his his part time job that he has, right? Yeah, he was. He well, it was his first interview. He said he'd ever gone for. He was getting a part time job in the off season, and uh, then gets a call from the Brewers saying like, "Hey, this is urgent. <laughs> we need you. So get to Milwaukee because you're going to be in the major leagues." And for those of you who are unaware, players who get called up to the major leagues like this, they get the prorated big league minimum by day for how much, and I'm assuming Taylor's going to be on the roster then for the rest of the year. It would be kind of a jerk move to you know, <laughs> like send him out he at has, that point. He has yeah. not made an out yet as, as I'm recording this. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, so like he, uh, the prorated major league minimum, 600000 a year. I mean, you're talking about what is that? What does that work out to? That's you know, eight thousand a game or something. You I don't keep know. talking, and I'll get my calculator. Yeah, yeah I, went, I went to journalism, Ryan. I don't, I don't do math. <laughs> it's it's a substantial amount of money for every game that you're there, and when you compare it to what the guys make in the minor leagues, um, I I think there was some discussion of the fact that he may have made somewhere between forty and eighty thousand this year because he's on the forty man roster. It's about four thousand a game. Four thousand a game. Oh, my brother. Yeah, I'm glad he doesn't listen that much because he would give me all kinds of grief for that. So, um. But yeah, it's it's a substantial amount of money, and uh, I know a few years ago they called up Jorge Lopez, oh yeah, yeah, and gave him you know the time in the major leagues, and it was essentially because uh, he had a, a real need for the money. He was paying for his son's surgeries and all that, so mm-hmm. it was they actually did that as like a, <coughs> a thanks to him. Um, moving on, Mustakas, Kane, and Braun have all been banged up this week. Braun's got a back, right? Kane's got the knee. And Mustakas is dealing with the is it's it a, hand I wrist think a wrist, right? wrist issue yeah wrist issue, um, and they've been kind of in and out of the lineup. I know Mustakas I believe started on Sunday and then was pulled out of the game and yeah. um, you know it's it's not great time of year when you're <laughs> in this you know in a pennant race like this to have so many players. Yeah, the biggest thing going up. against them is is that they, they they just they have had a bad injury year um, at this point, like just with missing pitchers, missing Knebel. And then just at the perfect wrong time, like losing Hira, who is just on fire since he got called up, and Mustakis, who you know is what their second or third best offensive player, depending on how you feel about Grandel um, and Hira, I guess too. Um, like just terrible timing, and yeah, they got depth, but not that much depth. Like it starts to hurt you after a while. You got Spangenberg playing, and you got right, and especially <laughs> this week where they faced all these lefty pitchers, yep. and Spangenberg's in there, and you're like. Yeah, it's this is not the ideal matchup for him, and he's been kind of easy pickings for uh, Lester. Got it out of a few jams today because of it. So yep, um, and also because Eric Thames has been in the lineup against lefties as well. Because uh, and maybe we won't see that as much after Tyler Austin's big three run homer. <laughs> the Tyler Austin game. Of the Tyler yeah, Austin. Yeah, it game. is the Tyler Austin game. Yeah. I was I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize he had nine home runs in the big leagues this year. I had no idea that that had happened. Like. <laughs> I feel like he's that, bounced around. I mean, obviously, so, this was his first yeah, with the Brewers. It, but. It, it was, but like, I feel like some people should have made a bigger deal out of that. Like, that's not bad. That's pretty good for a guy who's not all, playing all the time. Like, 
Well, and credit to Jeff Levering for this because he mentioned it before the game on the radio broadcast. Uh, Keston Hero was out running before the game and doing like agility testing to see where he was at with that knee. Or not, not knee, hamstring, right? Hamstring. Um, and he said, you know, their hope is for the next homestand, which would be a week from Monday. So be a, a week from today when you're probably listening to this thing. Um, they really need him back. I mean, he is a vital piece of this offense at this point. It happened very, very fast, but they really do need him back because their lineup is right now you can get outs after those those first three, three, four guys you could start getting outs pretty easily, and it makes it tough. I mean, they've had guys step up and do some good things, but Kira does really lengthen that lineup in a hurry. So Yeah, I mean, you're replacing Corey Spangenberg, who's been fine. Like, he's, he's been yeah. above an above-replacement player since they, they called him up. Yeah, but like, to, the, to yeah. all of their credits, um, all of these sort of backup players have been pretty good during this stretch where they've had to be pretty good. But that's borrowed time. It's going to run out at some point. Like Hernan will turn back into a you know a pumpkin at some point, and um, <clears throat> it will. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> and they'll need their actual stars back to play again. Um, it's it's good that they've been able to do this. You get small sample size luck sometimes, but it's it's a matter of time. So, all right. Um, I have a question from Brian Polakowski. All season we've heard about the strength of the NL Central, um, and that I just can't behind that other than that there's parity is the NL central composed of good teams duking it out or average teams hanging around well the pirates are terrible yeah they're awful <laughs> the pirates have gone into an absolute t- like they weren't terrible through the first like three months of the season and the, the reds have been pretty bad too for the reds have the not been half, good yeah. in the second half yeah, yeah. the trevor bauer thing is blown up in their face which i could not be happy about very shocking couldn't um, have seen that coming either no yeah um, oh who could imagine they are weird like they were they were playing way under their their Pythagorean forever. Sometimes that um, that regresses by you winning more. Sometimes it regresses by your Pythagorean coming back down to earth. Um, and kind of that kind of the case with them there. But yeah, th- I know a lot of people did actually had some high hopes for them. I actually saw some some flyer uh, they'll win the division takes before the season. But yeah, the Reds are just fine. They're not good. Um, so I, I lean towards it's an average division. Um, I think. There's a lot of good pieces in it. I like the Cubs have a big payroll. They do have a bunch of good young players, but I don't think they're managed very well. And I don't think Madden actually has much of a clue what he's doing anymore for whatever reason. The Cardinals are still good, but they're not the most talented team. They, they get the most out of what they have, as they generally do. They're a little worse than they have been back in La Russa times. But, um, and the Brewers are obviously hugely flawed, too. Like they, they don't have starting pitching. They don't have right-handed hitting. And, you know, there's ways to attack all those teams. So it, it's there's not like a Dodgers here. This is definitely, you know, slightly better than average mediocrity. I think pretty safely the Cardinals are the third best team in the yeah. National League. They're good. Well, okay. That's, I think that's I think yeah. that's probably about right. I think they are probably the third best but team the division, in the National League. But the division, I mean, there's, there's, we came into the year thinking this was the <laughs> division in baseball. And uh, yeah. the Brewers and Cubs have probably underplayed expectations but. Yeah, quite a bit, six, seven, eight games or so. It's kind of ridiculous the Cubs aren't the Dodgers. Um, just based on, A, how recently they won a World Series and the resources they have available. Yeah. Like, There's no reason they shouldn't be that team. And how well they were set up when they won that World yep. Series. Well, I think we focused on the NL Central a little bit too much and maybe missed out on the big picture of the National League in general because the National League is crazy deep. And you have, basically, you have the Pirates who are legitimately bad, you have the Marlins who are legitimately bad, and then you have ba- as legitimately bad teams. That's about it. Because as much as you want to say like the Giants are an old, washed-up team and have been getting by, like they are still kind of like they're not a terrible team record-wise. <laughs> they're fringe contenders, I guess. They're... And Arizona has been fine since the uh, good, really. Yeah, since very the, good. They've since been on the a tear. Yeah. Haven't they won like ten of eleven or something yeah. like that? Oh, I yeah. I didn't it was catch like 11 that. Eleven of twelve, and then they lost today. Yeah. Okay, or something like that. Okay, so I mean, Arizona has been really good in a. They were another one of these teams, like uh, like the Reds, who did the, a weird sort of buy and sell thing at the same time during the uh, the break, and they're getting hot. And like the, I guess the the Padres record isn't great, but they're also kind of a a dangerous, scary team. Not they're a, they're a fun team if you ever need a random team to watch the Padres are pretty fun yeah uh, also we all made fun of the Mets like all year and then they actually t- kind of turned it on a bit too which is one of the weirdest things that happened all season oh yeah the the NL East is for which is what we thought it was four pretty good teams 
you know, between good to very good in the Braves' case. Um, and so I think in the NL, you just have teams kind of beating up on each other and it making it hard for basically any teams outside of the Dodgers have been just phenomenal and the Dodgers are on another level, of course. Uh, and then the Braves have been very good of late. But other than that, everybody's just kind of a war of attrition with each other, duking it out and trying to 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 play and get on some sort of a hot streak while you're consistently playing teams that have something going for them. So, yeah. And obviously, the Astros and the Yankees and the Twins, are they're all incredibly good teams, but I, don't, I think their win totals are inflated a bit by the American League having the Royals and... The White, the White Sox, Sox. Oh, especially the and the Orioles in the Central. The, the AL Central is probably one of the worst divisions the ever. Um, like the, the Royals Mariners. are completely pathetic, and the White Sox are completely pathetic, and then the 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 Tigers have like a worse Pythagorean than the Orioles. I think last time the I Tigers checked. are sneaky awful, sneaky awful. Like one like, of the, one worst, of the worst, teams worst teams in Major League Baseball yeah. history. I think I saw Joe Sheehan. Um, like the Tigers actually kind of had a hot start a little bit, where they were like briefly. In first, when you know when stats don't matter yet, and since like their first twenty games, their pace, their one hundred sixty-two game pace was like forty and one hundred and twenty-two. Um, which they're really, really, really bad after they went, they went a hot like three start. months between without winning two games. Yeah, so, yeah. So you're definitely right about that. Like the Twins are definitely not as good as their record. They get to play just, just terrible, terrible opponents routinely. Um, and even Cleveland's like, you know, for being a second best team in a in a division, like. All right, they're not very good either. Like they're just not complete garbage like the rest of it. No, if you're a decent team in the AL, you're really good because your win total is going to be, you know, inflated by getting to play so many bad teams, like so many just awful, dreadful, no hope sort of dead end teams. Which, in fairness, this is flipped rather quickly because people were saying the same thing about the NL just what three seasons ago, yeah. four seasons ago, and the Brewers were part of that group of. The, the dead-end kids, and now all those teams are pretty decent. You know, the Phillies, Brewers, Braves, everybody's kind of turned around from that point. So um, so this one comes from Sean Andrews. Knowing where the Brewers are at this point in the season, what trades do you wish they had made at the deadline? And he, he notes this serves no other purpose than to infuriate. So what what moves do you wish that they would have made? And I'll I'll take this out beyond just the deadline, but to just moves they could have made since, I guess, last winter, we'll say. Uh, can I start with the move I wish they didn't make, Ryan? The, the move they, you wish they didn't make. Go ahead. Mauricio Dubon ah, for Drew the, Pomeranz. Okay. That's and just, Ray Black. And Ray Black. Oh, yeah. Ray Black's there too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that one when they made it, and I agree with you. Like, it really hasn't paid dividends. Pomeranz hasn't been very good. Certainly not worth giving up a... You know, decent player. I know. Uh, I probably praised this on an earlier podcast, or at least was open to it. But like, Pomerantz has not been the dominant reliever that he was with his old team in that very, very small stretch of being a reliever. So yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I would undo that trade as well. Um, and, and Dubon's like, we're not making him out to be some superstar. No, you know, like he's he, fine. He, his his ceiling exists, and we are aware, well aware of that. But he's a big league player. And uh, I think we're going to get to this later with the question. Uh, middle infield depth going forward is questionable. Is in question. Um, yeah. And, and he had a role. With as bad as uh, Orlando Arce has been in the second half. And he left this game. And I didn't get an explanation for why he left the game against uh, the Cubs. But he was pulled early. Whether it was for offense or whether it was some sort of injury, I don't know. But he's definitely really struggled offensively. And. You know, perhaps Dubon could have mitigated that some. Yep. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Jason Hayward hits a uh, a home run to get the Cubs to within three. So it's a save situation. It's a save situation. Yep. Woo. So Jimmy Nelson gives up the home run. Um, I guess uh, we could ask this question. At this point, do you think they bring Jimmy Nelson back for twenty twenty? I don't know. Um, he looks pretty. They probably will. He's not. He's not had the full time to actually get completely recovered, but I don't know. I wouldn't bring him back. Nobody ever recovers from that injury, so like I would have, I would move on. How much is he making this year? Uh, Around four, around four. Yeah, and it would probably be about the same amount of money. I don't know if they're going to. They have they have a lot of non-tender candidates. They do. Not a great place to be. Yep, Um, they do. But I wonder how many guys are actually going to get non-tendered. 
So yeah, hater haters is warming. Up, haters so. up. Um, by the way, we should, we should go back to that because the the question I I can't actually I would have liked them to trade for a, another starting pitcher, but I cannot think of a specific person that was available that I would have wanted in retrospect. Or a guy who actually moved. Like, Madison Bumgarner has been pretty good in the second half and actually yeah. for a good chunk, but he didn't he move. Didn't move so. And the Giants didn't really want to move him. There was there seemed to be some drama around that. Yeah, so. of guys who were traded, like, most of them haven't really seemed to be better than normal Brewer starting pitchers. Stroman's been pretty, like, below average since the trade. He has. Um, a lot of the other guys are like it, too. Yep, and, like, I, 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 was, I wanted them to sign Kimbrell. But he's not been good. Dells Keichel. That, Keichel I was just going to bring that's up that's Keichel. That's the easy one. Yeah. Keichel is the one who they could have had for you know $13 million. There would have been no draft pick uh, things signed to them. Well, I shouldn't say that. They would have had to have outbid the Braves for his services. Right. So they would have had to have gone more than what the $13 million the Braves were. And we don't know. It's always hard to tell in these situations how much the Brewers pushed on that and like what because it, the way he was set up, he was kind of in in a free position to take uh, a shot at whichever team he wanted to go to. Like yeah. he had he had some options that way. So whether or not the Brewers could have had him for something close to that, we don't know. But they definitely would have had to have at least outbid it. You would think so. Um, hard to know exactly on that, but he's he's the one. He's been a useful, very useful mid rotation starter. Solid two three sort of guy. Yep. So I think that's your answer. Like, wish they had gotten Keiko, but again, it, it was not necessarily in their control to do so. Going a bit back, this this is this is in the way back machine. Uh, Jake Eggs over easy on the Twins was available for pretty cheap two off seasons ago. From the the Rays, just what did they DFA him or non tender him or was something? He was he was available for very very cheap. Yeah, it was a snuck that in there. The twins snuck that in there and he will be a free agent this offseason. I think there's actually three guys on the twins. I'd be very interested in the Brewers potentially taking a look at besides Odorizzi who you brought up. uh, There's also Kyle Gibson who will be a free agent and they're both kind of around 30. Both have been reasonably good um, and kind of just interesting guys that the Brewers could probably get for, you know, a reasonable contract amount. So that's something more towards the offseason. We have a, we've been getting some questions on here that people are asking about the offseason. We may dig into some of that a little bit, but right now we really do want to focus much more on the uh on the uh the things that are going on that matter for this year because the Brewers are not out of it. So anyway, um predictions for the 18 game no off day stretch. That actually just started this last Thursday with the uh with the Cubs series. Um, and this is from Chris Tams. He's asking, will the Brewers have September magic for a playoff spot or is the deficit and lack of consistency on offense and defense too much to overcome? And just to note, the Brewers were 21 games to play coming into Sunday. They needed to go 17 and four to get to 90 wins, 12 and nine to get to 85 wins. What kind of win total do you think it's going to take to get to the wild card? Like if the Brewers win this many games, you feel good that they'll win the wild card. 87 maybe yeah i was gonna say 87 that might be even a little optimistic i have to look at the cubs schedule yeah um and you'd be banking a little bit on the cubs to to slide first off the brewers have to win this game in which they're up eight to five and it looks like we're gonna get a pitching change for jimmy nelson josh Hader is gonna be coming in so you'll know what happens by the time you're listening to this so yeah Yeah, you'll know yeah 87 is is yeah, probably a little optimistic, but man, 90s just for a team that's been playing 500 ball for 70 games. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it it seems like a pretty a pretty big stretch, but it, we've also seen this with this team, and you know it is Craig Timber, guys. So like, <laughs> it, it is happening. Let's, let's keep, like, that, let's keep it up. Yeah, I'm gonna pull that one right into the ground. So um, anyway, Kush Dog asked Freddie's 99 mile per hour fastball. Um, in on Bryant was a thing of beauty. This was on Saturday night. And his curve was a great secondary pitch. In your mind, is he locked into bullpen duty for good? Or does he still have a shot at <laughs> starting again next year? Uh, Paul, you're laughing. So let's go to you first. Uh, he's got a shot at starting again, sure. But I think he, he I think he's destined for the bullpen. Um, I think he just profiles better there when he can gun it up that, uh, that high. He plays a lot better. Um, and He's just, he's not a good command guy. He doesn't really have good secondary pitches. Like, he doesn't really even have a good second pitch. It's okay. Um, 
But like he's mainly he really is just a fireballer who doesn't locate well. He really like I think he's bullpen destined at this point. Um, I don't see him starting again. I can't shake the Cincinnati Red start on what, like the fourth game of the year. I, just can't <laughs> I mean, shake he's it. had a few I of them. His yes, first start in the big leagues, like he filthy dominated the Rockies. So he did at to the Marlins course. this year as well. When home. when that happens, it's often against teams that, for whatever reason, don't load up on left-handed bats in the lineup. Um, the quintessential example being the um, the the opener game from last year when he started against the Cardinals. Who who is our lefty Dan Jennings. Dan Jennings. Dan Jennings started, and then Freddie came in directly after that, and the Cardinals started all lefties except for um, Matt Carpenter. Um, and Matt Carpenter, wa- uh, he walked off Jennings, and then he got a double off Freddie, and then Freddie mowed down all the rest of the righties in the lineup. So, um, like, he, when he has a platoon advantage, he can be okay. But that just makes you, like, not, that that's not something you want to count on all the time because lefties beat him pretty badly. Um, Mike, Schmilt, Mike, Mike Schilt might win manager of the year this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've not been real impressed with Mike Schultz. Yeah, nope. it doesn't look like you are either. No, he's not a good manager. Not. He's, he's just not, not, not a great bullpen manager. Well, and part of the thing is we are spoiled by getting to watch Council handle things in a way that most teams don't get a guy who's as adept at using the bullpen as Craig Council is. So, you know, it he has managed to do a lot of different things and, and is not afraid to stray from convention and really doesn't care about convention. Like, he just wants to get the outs. And that is his whole focus and his whole thing. So, um, let's see. Uh, Hauser had a pretty good start today. He did have one inning where things got shaky because he, after he hit Addison Russell in the face, and it was pretty clear he was a little shaken up by that. And then the Cubs got some kind of lucky hits. Uh, it sounded like the ball kind of bounced through the infield a few times there. I was listening on the radio at that point, but, um, does Adrian Hauser look like the second best arm in the rotation going into next year at this point? Going into next year at this point, yeah, I think so. I, yep. think, I think they add someone, um, and then they've got a bunch of other dudes who are big league starters. They've got Ace Janderson. Yeah. Uh, Zach Davies will start. Brent Suter will figure in there somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's probably the second. I agree with that. Yeah. I like Hauser. I think he's actually a, a pretty good arm to have there. He, he's he's done well after a few rocky ones, so um, I would put him at second. And the thing to watch out there for, and this has been a point of JP's uh, when he's been on the podcast, is that uh, there's a big, big platoon split with Hauser. And it's starting, it has gotten better since he's gone back into the rotation mm-hmm. here over the past few weeks. But there's still a big difference. He He kills right-handed batters and struggles some against lefties. So that's going to be like the key to him being a good starter is to figure out what pitches, and he does throw four big league quality pitches. How can he get left-handers out on a more consistent basis? That's going to be the the key going forward. So, Add a splitter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's certainly people on the team who can teach it to so him. So we'll get Derek Johnson back in this, yep. in this team. So, um, Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad platoon split. You got that right. 873 OPS against, so. And it's it was close to a thousand yeah. when he went into the uh, back into the rotation. What's the righty OPS six seventeen. Yeah, and it, that was under seven or that was under uh, six hundred when I last looked. So, um, all right, we have a fun one and then kind of a sad one. So I'm gonna I've <laughs> been meaning to get this one in here for a few weeks and we'll we'll get to it. First off, should the Brewers sign Antonio Brown? I know he's busy now, like he actually has a job, but. Yes, to shake things up a little bit, um, since and also like Bill Belichick wanted him, which means he's a good signing because um, that's the good the show of a good signing. That's how that works. The Patriots want you, then it's good to have you. on Yeah, the that's team. pretty much it. There's yeah. yeah, but like if he had signed with like the Cardinals, it would be a bad signing, and well, it, I'd be like the Packers shouldn't have signed him. Yeah, but he's like an ideal kind of because he's fast, super fast dude. So he could be the. Uh, he's not really a burner. He's he's, well, I fast, mean, he's a receiver but... though, so like they got to be somewhat fast. Yeah, right? but I'd like... like to see him race Quinton Berry, and then we'll yeah, that'll decide if he's. <laughs> you might rather have Quinton Berry. He, he's more of a like he's just a super polished route runner. Like he is a good deep threat, but he's not like he was always the third fastest stealer when he was there. Um, and like he's 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 up there a little bit. So it was never his super calling card is street line speed, but he's he, yeah he's good. Anyway. All right. Um, yes, the brewer should sign him to just shake up the to the get roster. things shaken up and yeah. add a little uh, add a little spice to the, yeah, the situation. He, he can he can try and smuggle an old batting helmet onto the field <laughs> by spray painting it to make it look modern. All right. So Michael Heitkamp asks, 
If this were Twitter, I'd probably get ratioed, but is it time for the Brewers to go to a full-time two-man booth in the radio for home games? Let Euchre still tell his stories and provide some color commentary, but have either either Lane or likely Jeff do the full play-by-play. Euchre's ability to do the play-by-play over the last few years has deteriorated, even if that was never his strong suit. So I know people have are going to have very strong opinions about this, and I have, I have some thoughts as well, but uh, you want to take it first, Kurt? I was hoping I could get Paul to go first because uh, sure, yeah, go um, ahead. I, got, I got some opinions, but I don't hear I, you first. I actually, I don't think they should. Um, I don't think like Euchre works fine when he's got an occasional straight man next to him to you know bring out the stories or whatnot. But there's two problems with doing the full two man booth. One of which is like I think Euchre does need time off during the game, like just to drink, get water and stuff, and go to the bathroom. Go to probably the bathroom. Probably yeah. And so if you do the two men both full time, like it. It's a little weird because he'll be walking in and out probably because that's not probably not going to change. And I do think he's better when he's just by himself for the most part, even if he's starting to struggle actually, you know, what's going on. Like, I think a lot of the the criticism of Euchre's, you know, not being quite as sharp as he was in, in his youth um, are a little nitpicky. Like, you still know what's going on. Even if he gets something wrong, you know, he fixes it two seconds later. It's not that big a deal if he occasionally gets the home run thing going and it stays in the park. Like. I mean, Brian Anderson does that, so... Yes, he does. It happens. It's really not that big a deal. And yeah, yeah, you should get it right the first time, but whatever. He's he's still entertaining, and he gets it right two seconds later. Who cares? Yeah, go ahead, Kurt. Um... Oh, the Brewers did yeah, just so, win. Oh, hey, so, woo! Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so now I'm ready, to, I'm ready to get my hopes up again about, about this team. Two games back. <laughs> it's happening. Um, so I don't think that the that the levering play-by-play or whatever the, the answer would be there. Is I don't think that's that would be the, the answer, per se, um, kind of like you're saying, Paul. But he, I don't know. I just, I just if I'm listening in the car on the radio and, and Euchre's and Euchre is, is doing the play-by-play, half the time I feel like I actually don't know what is happening. I, I, I agree. Okay. And I've caught this year more so than in the past that I've noticed it, levering yeah. stepping in and like giving the information that you need, which almost feels like rude, but it's also <laughs> vital to make the broadcast I mean, you, work. It always gets corrected. Like it, it, like the end result is always fine, but like, you know, there's just times where you just, there's about 10 seconds there where you're not sure what's happening. Like a five second radio silence in the middle of a play and I don't know what happened. Right. And I mean, in fairness, I want to point out, so I have a very distinct memory. I was in high school. We used to have, be able to go off campus for, for lunch. This is in the mid-90s that this is happening. And I get in the car with a friend who is not a baseball guy at all, sports guy, but not a baseball guy. And I popped on the Brewers game, and so we were driving over to lunch. And there was this long pause in the middle of, you know, it's just some afternoon game in the late 90s. So you figure out probably how much that mattered in the spring. <laughs> like, you figure how much this, this thing really mattered. And there was a long dead air moment with euchre and my friend basically went off and he was like this is ridiculous he's terrible like i can't even listen to this like he's an old man and he's lost his you know he's lost his ability to call the games the way that you're supposed to which is like you know sacrilege but this has always kind of been a complaint of euchre is my point that like this goes back a long ways at this point that he being considered you know a guy that didn't necessarily get the call right. And people have talked about the fact that Yuke is sort of at his best in a blowout. That is true. Like, that is when Euchre shines because he will make it entertaining. And he still does that. I've, I've had the ability to listen to him a few times when games have not been close this year. And it still is entertaining. He still is funny. And it, it still, he makes it worth continuing to listen to the game and engage. Uh, I would point out, too, he has experience doing the color guy thing. He did that for years with ABC and then with NBC. He worked with Bob Costas That's as the true. color That's guy true. in was it the, the World Series in 97. Yep. Like, in the mid-90s, he was he was doing the color guy thing on TV, though. He he also, I think, is still good close and late, like, for actual like, oh, yeah. game-ending oh, situations. Yep. So, close and late. Like, I definitely still want him for that. Um, so, uh, uh, like... Uh, I don't know. He's probably going to be done pretty soon here too. That's which the is other sad. Which is sad. I mean, like, so you, that's why you don't want him out of the booth. Right. You don't want him gone, and it's like when he is gone, then it's just sad. Yes. So I'm in no and rush. And he has to kick said he doesn't. He's not planning on retiring. He's not going to pull a Vince Scully and like go retire and then you well, know for a few years. Yeah, fair. But 
at some point, you know, he's in his mid eighties. Like it, the decision may not be his yeah. at uh, at some point. Like it won't be his. It at will some not. Point. It will absolutely not be right. his at some point. So we'll see. Um, baseball play by play guys, especially radio guys, have you know sort of a long history of going like right up to the bitter end often. Um, I think yeah, Harry Callis. Harry Callis did, yeah, yeah. Though he was TV, maybe, but uh, the guy in Seattle, Dave Niehaus, like you had guys who basically went until they they died, like, and it was fairly common. I do think they are trying to make adjustments on the fly here so that they can get together a broadcast where people get the information that they need. Mm-hmm. So they are trying to do that, and it, it I think it's. It's tough for Levering to probably be in the position of doing that and giving the play-by-play with Euchre there when it's his responsibility. <laughs> like that's that has to be uncomfortable. It's probably super uncomfortable. I bet Euchre's not a big fan of it happening. Um, no, either. I would imagine not. <laughs> but but it is kind of a concession that has to get made. Yep. I mean, ideally, perhaps they should have gone to Euchre being you know TV because if you're a TV play-by-play guy, it's a very different. And this is nothing against Brian Anderson. He's fantastic at his job and whatever. But, like, if they had switched Euchre over to TV play-by-play in 2006, I think it would be a little bit easier because that's a that's a medium where the, the bar for what he needs to do. Yeah, you can see what's going on, so you don't have to describe what's going on. So it's it's the Harry Carey principle. Like, you know, that Harry Carey never called an accurate play. Well, he did in his life, but not over the last 25 years of calling games. Um, but he was entertaining, but you didn't need him to be because you could see what was going on. <laughs> so, um, right. And this was also the thing at the end with Vin Scully was yeah. he could do the broadcast and he could run it by himself. They didn't even need a, a color guy with him. And he could do it by himself just because you know he was supremely talented, but also uh, just because with the TV broadcast, there's just more room to 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 add more color as opposed to bringing in the nuts and bolts of the mm-hmm. play as it's happening. So yeah, I mean, we will see where they decide to go with this as as time marches on, but I just enjoy having them around as as long as we have a chance to to get to listen to him because he is an institution in the city. I mean, he is Milwaukee baseball in a way that no other person you know, aside from, I guess, Bud Selig, like, ha- would have claim to. And Selig's a controversial figure in a way that Euchre is not, you know? Mm-hmm. So yep, he really is, you know, he is Mr. Baseball. So anyway, uh, anything else? The Brewers, I guess we could talk about this. So their record at this point is what? They are 74 and 68 on a three-game win streak. And I can't remember the last time they won three games in a row. And are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Folks, the hopes... Are up, yeah, and they're five and two in Craig Timber. So we've got that going for us as well. Like it's things are things are looking up. Um, they do have an incredibly, incredibly vital. I, everything is vital at this point. But this road trip coming up, uh, they're going to need to be good. And they do have. They play the Marlins, so like go out and Woo. yeah. I mean, at a minimum, what you got to take three out of four in that series. Who do the Cubs play? You got that. Honestly, guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but I mean, they need to take it a minimum three out of four against a the Marlins. Minimum, probably sweep. Minimum, yeah, minimum three sweep. out of four. Yeah. Realistically, you gotta you gotta win every series going forward at least. That's yeah. It. I mean, if you sweep, that gives you some room to sure. maybe be, maybe you go one and two against the Cardinals and it doesn't finish your season. Like you can kind of you can survive that because the Cardinals are hot. The Cardinals have they were last I heard they were on a run where they were like. Uh, seventeen and four or something like they've they've been yeah. really really good. Cubs are at Padres, then ugh. then they have the Pirates, then they have the Reds, then they have the Cardinals, Pirates, and Cardinals. So, oh okay, they have two left against the Cardinals. Though those Cardinals series being late may be a situation where they've already effectively wrapped things up. Maybe, um, but um, I think it'll be close enough. Just given the fact that they play the Cubs so much, they'll need a huge lead over the Cubs to not lose it, and. Most importantly, the Cubs are a bad road team, and uh, they finished their final six on the road, three at Pittsburgh and three at St. Louis. So, um, Yeah, what's their breakdown home and away from here on out? So th- this is their second last road trip right now. They go to San Diego um, for a four-gamer starting um, tomorrow, and then they're home for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row, and then they're on the road for their last six. So, uh, Okay. I believe that's ten and ten. 
Yeah, and didn't they just have like a reverse though, where like they had a bad uh, homestand and then they, they had did. a really good road trip? So, though they just lost so, three out of four at uh, uh, at you, Wrigley North. So, if you want to get a little more specific, I actually think that they struggle in um, some of the bigger West parks a little bit more than they do in bandboxes like like Which, our, our like own the home Brewers. Here. Yeah, um, that's the Brewers situation too because those stadiums is. are not conducive to what the Brewers do well, which is slug the holy crap out of the yeah, ball. So it would not be surprising to see them struggle at San Diego for a few games. Um, yeah, yeah, well, well <laughs> it's not a super daunting schedule, so just just hope for the best. All right. Anything, any parting uh, words for you guys? Thank you very much for coming and sitting in, Kurt. Oh, for sure. Appreciate it. Oliver Drake forever. Oliver Drake forever. <laughs> yes. So, I'm, I'm also have, Team Drake. Drake has the best Love pitch the of the season, so um, he will always have that as a feather in his cap. That was a really, really cool thing. Yep. So, um, all right. Uh, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter at Tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave reviews and help people find the podcast. Thanks for listening, and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.